Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You guessed it, Two Peas on a Pod with Austin Griffiths and Zachary Cordell. And I'm here again this week with Pastor Dwayne Gallagher for part two of this episode. We dealt with God's design for gender distinction last week. And we're leading right up into what we're going to talk about today, so I'm not going to dwell much longer. We're going to dive straight into it. Brother Dwayne, thank you for coming back on the podcast. I appreciate this opportunity, and I hope uh, our discussions will help folks that are listening to sort these things out. Yes, sir. I hope so. I think I think as far as I'm concerned, this is a very, very relevant. I think it's always relevant. But right now, a very relevant topic that needs to be addressed. You're right. Very, very important. And if one life could be changed for the glory of God. So we're going to start out. And the first verse, we've, if you've been in church any time at all in the Holiness Church, you've heard this scripture quoted many, many times. And it's one that has got a lot of scrutiny. It's been tore apart, especially by a lot of Holiness haters. It's been tore apart by people that just absolutely want a stamp of approval on what they're wanting to do. And one of the biggest things is, well, it's in the Old Testament, preacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things. But I'm going to read the scripture. And Brother Dwayne, we're going to have a discussion of continuing on this. And so you can read in Deuteronomy 22 and 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. It's pretty simple. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. Why would you want to? And then for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Yeah, that uh, that verse, that's a very important principle. Because last uh, the last podcast, we discussed uh, the design that God made for gender distinction. And at the end of that, we were talking about delighting in that distinction. And really, honestly, part of our delight should be not only in the distinct abilities that God gave to us, but in the distinct appearance that God planned for us. So God, God's the one who put that in the Old Testament. And uh, yes, let, let's talk about some of the, what I consider silly arguments that probably all of us have heard. Because, you know, I've been, I've been preaching on these kind of subjects for a long time now, from the days I preached in youth camps till I got too old and now I preached some adult camps instead. So... <laughs> <laughs> but but here, here's one that I heard, I don't know how many times. Don't you know that all of the men and women at that time, <clears throat> pardon me, wore robes? You know? And so they, they people, I've, I've, I, I just shake my head at, for lack of a better word, the ignorance that people portray with a question like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, they act like they're making an excuse for distinction, when really what they're doing, they're insulting God. Because here's the thing. If God and God knew, you know, if men's and women's clothes were all exactly the same, and then God says to the man, now don't you wear the woman's garments. And God says to the woman, now don't you wear the men's garments. And so in the morning, they go to their closet and they stand there looking at all the clothes 
And the man says, man, honey, I'm not really sure which ones of these are mine and which ones are yours. And we don't want to obey God's command. What are we going to do? And she'll say, man, honey, I'm not really sure which ones, you know, how, what kind of a, what kind of a God would you be serving if he was so out of touch, he didn't know that everybody's clothes were exactly the same. And then he told you not to wear each other's clothes. That just, that, that whole argument is an insult to God. And why would God say an abomination if he prohibits the wearing of one another's clothes and you can't even tell them apart? So, I mean, that argument holds no water at all. Now, the one Brother Austin already mentioned is the other one I hear the most. And, and that is that this, this verse is in the Old Testament. And it's not just that it's in the Old Testament. Right. They'll say, well, how can we believe that? But we don't believe other scriptures in the Old Testament. And they'll bring out stuff like food that you eat, um, you know, stoning your children, and yeah. on and on and on. All the, a lot of those scriptures that we do not do now. How can we pick that one and we don't follow the rest of them? Here, here's part of the, the thing with that. And it's another whole subject that we don't have time to deal with it in total detail. But the law did have uh, ceremonial parts and civil parts and moral parts, you know. And so a lot of the uh, a lot of the civil parts of the law they only applied to the nation of Israel. And when Israel was no longer a nation, they don't even apply anymore. And then a lot of even even a lot of those social laws that were given to Israel were for them as a nation. And then the ceremonial laws of worship were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost and the the ministries of the church. So the moral law of God really hasn't changed, and it's still still the same today. So you can't just discount anything in the Old Testament. I mean, if you do that. You lose the creation, the flood, Abraham, David and Goliath, Daniel the lion's den. We know better than that. You can't discount it just because it's in the Old Testament, you know. And of course, the the main principle in that regard then is if a command or a, a moral statement or principle is given in the Old Testament and then it is implied and restated in the New, then it's still relevant and still carries weight today. And so this is one of those places where that happens. Because you're not going to find any verses in the New Testament about stoning your children. Like you said, <laughs> you're not going to find any New, Test- any New Testament verses about having a garment that's made of, uh, what was it, linen and, and cotton or whatever, the two types of material. Those, those, are not, those were not ever carried over into the New Testament. But now in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number nine, this question uh, is asked by Paul. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's, he's specifically talking about things that God considers unrighteous and specifically says that these folks that, that participate in these sins, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that verse goes on to name specific sins of unrighteousness that will keep people out of the kingdom of God. So there's fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, and then you find these two things, effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind. So now we're going to come back and talk to this in more detail later, but clearly with, with Paul and God, by the Holy Ghost inspiration, putting in there 
that the effeminate man is one who will not inherit the kingdom of God. That brings the principle that was in the Old Testament verse of Deuteronomy 22.5. It brings it right into the New Testament and makes it relevant today. That has not been disregarded. It has not been changed. It's still the same principle. So, for example, out of the Ten Commandments, all but one of them are brought right into the New Testament. The Sabbath day, that one did change from the seventh to the first day of the week because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you can track every one of those commandments in the New Testament, and because they're implied and inferred and restated there, they're just as real today as they were for Israel. So just because it's in the Old Testament, that alone certainly does not discount the principle of what it says. So let's continue for just a few minutes here about this Deuteronomy 22.5 verse. Here, here's another common argument that I heard through my years of ministry, especially at youth camps. I had, I had moms in particular, you know, who would get upset about the preaching about their daughters wearing pants. And they would say, these are, these are women's pants. Yeah. These are not. These are not men's pants. Buttons different. Yeah, either different. Or a zipper, you know, something yeah. like. And so I, I would ask when they came to me, of course, most, a lot of times they didn't come to me personally, but the ones who did, I asked them, well, what about if a man wears a skirt that they say is designed for a man? Maybe instead of zipping up at the back, it zips around the side, you know, or has a, has a yeah. different style. A man's dress. Yeah, but no, they said, no, that's not the same thing because... It's like you said, most of the time when people argue with these verses in the Bible, it's because they've already made up their mind about what they want to do, yeah. and they're trying to make excuses for it. But, I mean, no, no parent would ever really buy that excuse from their son who says, this, this skirt is, is not a woman's skirt. This dress is not a girl's yeah. dress. This is a man's. That's automatically wrong. Dress. But a woman in pants is absolutely <laughs> accepted. I know. Here, here's one more that I heard a lot. In my, in my years of ministry. Well, I, I have to wear these pants because of my job. The job I'm doing, you know, I can't, they, they say, or I don't feel like I can do this job. You know, you want me to be modest, but I can't do this job in a dress or a skirt. Get a different job. That's <laughs> well, pretty obvious. But I use the same argument. I'd say, so now, how about if your son wants to be a waiter at the restaurant? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll hire you, but you're going to have to wear a skirt to be at this restaurant. Are you going to let him do that? No, they weren't ever going to let him do that. He's, they're not going to use that argument for a son, but they'd use it for a daughter to make excuse for her wearing men's pants. So, But what you know, about getting a little bit closer? Yeah. What about the preacher? I can't ride that four-wheeler in a skirt. <laughs> I can't ride my horse in a skirt. I, what if I just wear pants on a four wheeler? What if I just bring it out on the on the horses? <laughs> there, there are modest ways to do outdoor activities. I can't you know? zip line in a skirt. Yeah, well, you know, here we I mean, go. That, you got two choices. If there's an activity that you cannot find a a solution that is both modest and does not break gender distinction. You just don't do that. Yeah. There's just some things you can't. You do. just don't do it. There are activities that I don't yeah. do because I'm a Christian, not just because of what you have to wear, but there's places I don't go because you can't really go there and keep your Christian testimony. So I just don't go. I don't try to make excuses yeah. for it. I don't I don't buy Pepsi in a in a beer bottle, 
you know, so I can go to a place. I just, you just don't do that. So either you don't do the activity at all or you find a modest way to do it. And, and trying to use an activity as an excuse to break God's word, that doesn't make a bit of sense. Everything we do in life has to be gauged by the word of God. And if you're only wearing certain apparel for man's eyes, you, you've lost the whole, you've that, lost the point. You you're, the point. you're living God's design. Right. Because it don't matter if you're in the middle of the woods on vacation, God still sees what you're doing. Right. There's still a distinction there. If nobody sees you but the raccoons and squirrels, <laughs> yeah. you're not doing it just for man's eyes. It's right. God. I'll, I'll, we we the, don't live this way for another right. man. The whole, the whole point is for us to understand, like we talked last in the last session, about the design that God made, and we have a desire to please God. Yeah, you so have to have a desire. I don't. I don't desire. To be feminine in any setting, whether anybody's around or not. And, and a, a woman should not desire to be masculine in any setting, regardless of what it is. So once you settle that in your heart, you're not really going to have issues with that. But those are some of the silly arguments that people give and and try to discount God's word. And, and here, another one, I'd never heard of this one until recently, but there was a, there was a website that claims to proclaim true holiness not not all the extreme holiness like i like they would think i believe but all the true holiness you know and and they critiqued a booklet that was written by a good friend of mine a man i know well brother jamie carter had wrote a booklet about uh, the problem with pants it was very well thought out and very well researched and he presented that subject very well both historically and biblically but Man, I mean, they tore it apart. And and one this article, they worked so hard to explain away the command found here in Deuteronomy 22.5 about men and women not wearing apparel that pertained to the other gender. And, and so one of the things they wrote in there is that this verse refers to women not wearing armor. They said that that's, that's a prohibition for women to wear armor because armor is considered a man's apparel. And and I'm thinking, boy, that what a way to strip this verse of its powerful command. And, and here's, here's a rule of thumb that I'll share with all of you listeners out there today in, in understanding and interpreting the Bible. We need to take the Bible for what it says. If, if you have to twist it and rest it and wrangle it, you know, and you gotta, you gotta twist and, and, and mix and mash and all the words of the Bible to make them say what you want them to say, there's something wrong with that interpretation. Right. You know, this verse is very straightforward and it means exactly what it says. God did yeah. not want men to put on garments that were recognized as women's style of clothing, and he did not want women to put on garments that were recognized as men's style of clothing. So, I mean, it's it's clearly there. Now, let me let me mention this because if you read other other, you know, websites and places this may come up. The Hebrew word used for armor is I would pronounce it as kili. And it was used 325 times in the Old Testament. That word was used in Deuteronomy 22.5, but not to refer to the apparel or the clothing. When you read through there, it's the word pertaineth. It has nothing to do with the apparel, but it, it, it's referencing that, referencing to or relating to. 
So the first time that Hebrew word was actually translated armor was when it referred to King Saul who tried to give his armor. Remember to David to go fight Goliath? And out of all the 325 times that word is used in the Old Testament, it only refers to a warrior's armor 10 times. The other times, it refers to the following things. Vessels, like are used in the tabernacle. Jewels. Stuff. Yeah, they had stuff in the Bible. Today. Things. Furniture. It's objects. It's items and so on. So that verse, please listen to me. When you read that verse, that verse is not saying that women are not to wear armor because armor is men's apparel. Talk about biblical and interpretational dishonesty. Man, talk about twisting the meaning of a word to make it mean what you want it to mean. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's too bad. And, and if you'll take the Bible for what it says, you'll be better off all the way along. You know, Israel was surrounded by idolatrous uh, religions, and almost every single one of them incorporated cross-dressing as part of their rituals. And there was a respected Jewish philosopher who even wrote uh, about the fact that the idolaters commanded that when a man would present himself before the star of Venus, he had to wear the dress of a woman. And many of those pagan idols were represented with the features of one gender, but dressed like the other. And their worshipers would emulate them and try to be like them. So obviously God intended for the genders to remain distinct, even by the clothing that they wore. So, I mean, that principle is there, and, and you really have to twist to get out of it. So now let's, let's talk about uh, that New Testament verse that carries this principle over uh, for the new covenant that we're living under. Because Paul specifically said that the ones he's going to name, they are unrighteous, and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he made that, he put that list in there, and in the midst of it, there's effeminate, and there's also abusers of themselves, with mankind. So there are four of the prohibitions that concern sexual sins, fornication, adultery, effeminacy, and homosexuality. So that word effeminate in the Greek is malakos, M-A-L-A-K-O-S, and it literally means soft, and in regard to character, it means womanish. So it's, it's the idea of a male person who is portraying an effeminate personality instead of a masculine one. All right. Now, that Greek word is used a couple of times by gospel writers. The only other times it's used when Jesus said, when you went out to John the Baptist, you didn't go out there to see a man who wears soft clothing. And he, in that point, he was not referring to John the Baptist not wearing women's clothing, but luxurious, delicate clothing worn by those in royalty. So in that, in that use, it was about the specific clothes they wore. But... In Paul's reference, it clearly refers to more than just luxurious clothing, but the character of the man who's presenting himself in a feminine manner. So, you know, there are some that, that say, well, you know, that, that Malikos refers to a sodomite. Uh, some say it refers to the what they call the passive male in the sodomite relationship, the one who took on uh, the manner and appearance of a woman. And and I'm sure that definitely that's involved. I mean, a man who does that is certainly being effeminate. But the very next prohibition in Paul's list is specifically homosexuality, abusers of themselves with mankind. 
And the Greek word there clearly designates homosexual activity here and again in 1 Timothy 1.10. All right. So he's not just saying two times in a row, you know, that it's the homosexual that's unrighteous. It's the homosexual that's unrighteous. That effeminate's got to be more than that. And clearly, that principle from the Old Testament is being carried into the new that the man who presents himself as effeminate is being unrighteous and will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, so this effeminate yeah. is not somebody that is professing necessarily to be a homosexual or active as a homosexual. It doesn't have to be. But no. just somebody that is being unmanly. Yeah, someone ladylike. who's taking on mannerisms. Willingly knowing of a they're woman. doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, or, you know, honestly... There might, there might actually be some, I mean, given the benefit of the doubt, that have gotten so affected by society and, and are so affected by styles and fashions. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they wear clothing that, that seems effeminate without really realizing it. But for the most part, I think, I think guys know what they're doing when they do that. And they're you doing it on to. purpose. I'm, you know. I mean, as a man and you're a man, there's nothing in me that wants to go around and talk like this. No, you know I agree. I mean? I have Nobody's no going to do that. And no, why? Yeah. Why do Christian people walk around with a, a lisp and you know swing their hips? And I know this is you know bold or plain, however you want to say it. But this is right inside the church house. Yeah. I mean, as a full time evangelist, I can tell you, you don't go very many churches without seeing at least one. And yeah. it's nothing to go to a church and see three, four, five, six, and look around like, oh my goodness, they're everywhere. Yeah. You know and. The well, woman, the wife, is manlier than the husband. And I've seen it both ways. Yeah. I've seen it both ways. We was, well, I better be careful. But I've seen it. I've seen, yeah, it can happen. A, I've seen a woman act just like a man and a man act like just a woman in the same church. Yeah. In the same exact church. And we, as the people of God, as a pastor, and I've never pastored, but as a pastor, uh-huh. you got to stand up and say, uh-uh, we ain't right. going to do that. You're not going to get in my pulpit. You're not going to sing in my choir. And as a father... I got oh, four boys. Yeah, with children, absolutely. We ain't gonna do that, right? If you need to set, if you don't say something, because kids are curious, sure they and are. If you don't teach them that gender distinction of what God's made in that design, how can you love your children? Yeah, and it, that's especially important in our culture because I mean, when my parents were kids, they didn't have to worry about that. Nobody, nobody was no no girls were looking like boys and boys looking. Nobody did that. But by the time, well, I was actually, when I was a kid, nobody really hardly did that till when I was in high school, you know. But, man, parents play a major role right. in that. And, and even when a, when a boy is, is one and two years old, I, this, just, this is opinion, but I don't think a boy ought to be wearing frilly, lacy clothing when he's a toddler, you yeah. know. And I don't, I don't think girls should be wearing pants you yeah. know, when they're when they're when they're toddlers or girls, they had to be I know taught it may seem silly. from the very beginning. They're girls, right? They ought to be taught straight all the from way the beginning, through. consistent. And you you see it. You'll you'll see kids. You'll let them wear one thing till they're four, five, six years old. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. now we got to be holy. I told my congregation that. I said, was that was that baby a boy when he was born or not? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was. Well, then why why did the clothing styles change when he turns four or five? They should be the same all the way through. Was she a girl when she was born? Absolutely. She should dress like a girl all the way through. And I agree with you on that. Parents play a huge role in that. And and again, though we're getting into maybe psychology a little bit, there are there are boys and girls 
that by personality are more guy a little bit more effeminate, girl a little bit more tomboyish, we call it. But parents play a major role yeah. in in not nurturing that and defending that and making it worse in their life as they grow up. Because if we're gonna if we're gonna portray the Bible the way it is, we can't say, Well, God made me that way. Yeah. Because God don't make us that way. God says, here's the way I want you to be, and we have to say, okay, I'm going to do that. And if we have to make a conscious effort to do that, we got to make the conscious effort to do that. Well, we as Christians, you know, the world shoves and shoves and shoves Constantly. and shoves and pulls and pulls at our kids and our families, and they Pressure. shove and shove. Yeah. Why do so many Christians want to take the tuck head? I Why don't do know. we want to not shove and be careful and their feelings and, you know, you're going to hurt them. You need to be careful. You need to be easy. No. The truth is true. The world's not doing that. No, they Our never kids will. right now, whether they're homeschooled or public schooled, playing on phones and tablets and going to Walmart, they're learning things. They're yeah. seeing things and hearing things right. way plainer than what we're preaching. Oh, no doubt. We're talking about it right now. Yeah. We need to stand up and say, you know what? This is the way it is. Yeah. This is it right now. We, we have to take that stand, and it really, really, from a pastor's perspective, that stand's got to be taken in the home first. Yeah. Because I have a hard time trying to deal with that in the church when it's allowed in the home. I mean, I, st- I have a platform standard. It don't matter what they do at home. I'm going to yeah. hold it. But it's harder to enforce it, and it's harder to, to make it happen when the parents don't support that, and they do whatever they want. So any of you that are listening that are parents and you have children, you need to understand the pressure that they're under as well as you, and you've got to stand for the truth. The Bible said in Proverbs, buy the truth and sell it not. So that says to me, you pay whatever price it is to get the truth, and you don't ever take any price for it. I don't know if it was in youth camp or where it was, but I remember Brother Douglas Meadow talking about this kind of stuff one time. And uh, he said, if you're a man, you will not, the Holy Ghost will not shout you like a woman. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I'm telling you, it's you, you can see it happen. You can see it happen. You can look at some men, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I heard something. Yeah. Just because of their actions and their the way they talk and yeah. the way what what's in their what's in their vocabulary. If all you can talk about is homosexuals and effeminacy and all of that kind of stuff, I mean, I don't talk about that every day, all day. No, not if at all. If that's all you talk about, that's because that's what you're some dealing with. Problem with the issue, yeah. yeah. And I've seen that firsthand. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's sickening. And we as the people of God, we have got to stand up for what's right. And this is creeping right inside the church. Yeah. Well, there's lesbians right inside the church. There's homosexual men right inside the church. Yeah. And there, there's a road there. And we've got ministry and other folks that are just patting it on the back. And, let, and I know this is bold, but patting it on the back. And for years and years and years, he acts just like a woman. And then when he comes out as a flaming homosexual we're like oh that's terrible and i'm like i could have told you that 10 years ago you can't condone that no you can't you absolutely can't condone that and pat it on the back no you know part of that you know we don't want to offend and i don't want to offend i don't want to hurt people's feelings i don't, sure don't want to damage them right and and a lot of times i say well that's just their personality but every other area of personality we preach about that we say if you have a temper you know, you say, yeah. well, my grandpa had it, my grand, my dad had it, and I got a temper. We say, that's too bad. you got to pray through and not have that temper anymore. So there are things that are part of our personality that are there because of our human nature that's fallen. 
And they've still got to be sanctified and made holy, and they have to conform to the Word of God regardless of what the world says. How many, how many times on the flip side of that, and not just homosexuality, but in, in, in any other aspect, any type of thing, how many times on the flip side have they went out and done whatever that was, and you're like, oh, I wish I'd have said something. Yeah. If I'd offended them, so what? Well, that's if true. If I would have said something, maybe, maybe it have saved them. But then it's too late. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't think of that until it is too late. Too late. Yeah, you have to be willing to to uh, put the I truth that, there. That's hard yeah. to do sometimes. Well, so, I mean, here, here we are. You, this is in the Bible, all right? So no matter what somebody's opinion may be, you can't really honestly deny that any man who takes on the mannerisms of a woman, who puts on the clothing of a woman, who deliberately takes on the appearance of a woman, he fits in that category of effeminate and therefore puts himself under the condemnation that is stated there. So we can't, we can't change the Bible to fit culture. Right. We have to try to the best of our ability to change culture to fit the Bible. Now, see, part of our problem, you know, is that women began wearing pants decades ago. And at the beginning, it was a shock and it was radical. And everybody yeah. was just upset about it. But they excused it, for the most part, by saying, well, it was wartime. These women had to work in factories and all of that. And gradually, that became socially acceptable so that now people defend it from the culture side. But men's, you know, men wearing women's apparel had really, I don't know that I could say it's become totally socially acceptable but I mean, it's definitely approaching that. I did see it about day. my dates run together, my locations run together. As to where you're at, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if it was this past week or the week before. I was in Walmart, and I seen a man that was quite a bit taller than me, had all black on from head to toe, and a skirt. Yeah, I've, I've around, seen that too. Yeah, but he wasn't manly in that skirt. No, he had a very girlish. Very girly actions, but you could tell it was a man. Yeah, now, I was at the dollar store this morning before yeah. I came here, and the person that checked me out had, and just by all appearances, I honestly looked at that person for a few seconds, and I honestly didn't know what it was. Yeah, I honestly had no idea if that was a man or a woman. There was no way. There was so many things going on. I couldn't. Too tell. many factors. Yeah, I couldn't tell. So it. it it is. It's relevant. It's right everywhere you go. It is. It's part of part of our society, and I'm telling you, we know it's true. It's not going away. We're no. gonna we're gonna be dealing with this, and and now we're in the it's last not, days. You know, my my daughters are all grown. My youngest is 26, but my grandchildren are growing up in this world. And your children, if you have small children, you need to really be careful and make sure that they understand the biblical principles involved here. And fight the culture. You cannot allow the culture, and the, because social norms change, that does not make it acceptable for Christians to follow suit. Right. So that you know that's kind of where we're at in the day we're living in. If any anybody who approves, for example, of women wearing clothing that's men's style or having the mannerisms of men, then you must also approve of men having the mannerisms and the appearance and the style of women. It's the same spirit. And, and one goes with the other, so you can't divide those apart. And I've had parents in the past 
that when I preached to young people about girls, you know, not wearing pants, and I made the point, it's the same as a woman, a man wearing a skirt. It's, oh, that's not true. It's not so. But it is now. Because that norm, those norms have changed to the point. The spirit behind it has always been the same. And here we are facing it today in our generation, and it's not going to go away. We're going to have to stand up and, and take our stand for it. Right. About it. Right. We have got to stand if we're going to be the people of God and do what God has commanded us to do, what he's designed us to do. When you start going against what God's designed, mm. there's only one there's only one reason for that. And that's because you've got the devil in your life it's rebellion. to go exactly completely against what God has designed. Once rebellion starts, it's uh it's next to impossible to curb it without total repentance. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously uh it can't happen because Paul said so. So yeah, that's what he so said. Much for some were. of you, and I've heard of very, very few cases of actual homosexuality of someone actually making the complete turnaround. It is very, it is, we have very got difficult. to stand up yeah. and save your children, save your youth group, save your family. Tell somebody, save somebody from getting so far into sin. Yeah, and thank God for that hope you mentioned. It's in that same passage. When he said, such were some of you, but you're washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That's what it takes. It takes God to break, to break those bondages. And I tell you what, we don't, want, we don't want to encourage that in our children and lead them in that lifestyle because it's very, very binding. Right. So one last thing to address before we exit off this part two is with gender distinction, there is skirts on women and pants on men. But right. in that gender distinction, in those roles that God's given us, and in those separate uh, apparels of men and women, right. there is an aspect of modesty that comes oh, with true. it. Yeah, Because you can have pants on a man, but if they're so tight, as one preacher said, and maybe slightly exaggerated, but as one preacher said, I can see a quarter heads or tails in your back pocket. Yeah. If your pants are so tight. Yeah. Yes, you're wearing the what you're supposed to wear, but it's not modest. It's still not pleasing to God. True. And on the flip side of that, a woman in a skirt could wear a skirt just a little bit long at all and still be very, very unmodest. Yes, she's in a skirt, but she's not modest at all. Yeah. And so one of the biggest controversial questions amongst people that wear skirts is what is a biblical length? Wow. What's yeah. a modest length? What's a proper length? And for men... Simply, we ought to be modest. We're not to wear saran wrap for clothes. Right, definitely. But I have heard people say about this, this lady, they'll say, well, you know, actually this lady here in her slacks is more modest than this yeah. lady in her skirt. And, and they use that to justify the wearing of slacks, which doesn't work because in that case you're mixing apples and oranges. The distinction requires that a woman wears skirt or dress or women's apparel regardless of, of what the style is. But yes, you're right. It is possible, obviously, to wear proper gender distinct clothing and still not be modest. So, you know, we're going to be able to cover all of that today. But clearly, you know, it is not modest for a man to be out in public in shorts. You know, they're not they're not long pants they are not covering him like they should. So, I mean, they, they are men's apparel, so to speak, but they're not modest. And the same is true for a young lady or lady who's going to wear the dress or skirt. It shouldn't be so tight. 
that it reveals your body and it certainly shouldn't be so short that when you sit down it's pulled up above your knees and showing your legs so i mean but people who have a, a spirit of immodesty they're going to deal with this stuff their whole life but those who really surrender to the word and will of god and have that modesty in their spirit they're not going to have issues with this they're not going to be constantly you know in our terms pushing the envelope pushing the boundaries always on the edge you've got to, you've got to come to a point where you surrender to the lord and it includes your appearance as well as your attitudes and your actions and your associations and once you surrender that to the lord right a lot of these questions are going to be solved and you're not going to have issues with those like you do when you're battling against surrender to the will of the lord you know and to preach on modesty it's really and i've mentioned this before in preaching it's very hard to justify to these boys out playing ball or whatever that they are not modest wearing shorts yeah if the woman's skirt is above her knee or even right at the knee because yeah. once you sit down you are right. not modest and really right. even right at your kneecap you're showing so much how do you say that's modest and a lot of folks want to say well we just believe in below the knee well you can believe that but when you sit down it's not below the knee if yeah. my wife wore a skirt to right out just barely i mean right as short as she could get it right below the knee when she sits down it's not that's not modest you're showing things that yeah. you should never be showing my wife makes it a very good rule of thumb to wear her skirt to her mid calf or lower now i'm not crazy i don't preach to the floor or anything else crazy but if you're going to be modest when my wife sits down her skirt is still well below her knee yeah i don't i don't think that's crazy i don't think that's foolish no the modesty issue is not just when you're standing up <laughs> it's, when yeah. you're, it's when you're sitting down jumping it's when shouting you're kneeling at the altar yeah when you raise your hands to praise the lord all of those things obviously have to be considered and unless you're fighting the will of god all the way along the line you're not going to have a problem with this with this issue right you're going to be no. willing to be modest all, all along right. the way and if you're fighting that issue it's not the only one no certainly not i don't know how many times you've seen it when you find skirts that are super short and they're being you know, as far as the women are concerned, and they're battling that that line. It, yeah. It's not all. They're battling makeup. They're battling their nails. They're battling trimming their hair or, yeah. or cutting just issues all across more. the board. Yeah, yeah. Or they're wearing their hair up to hide the fact they've been trimming their hair. Mm. Or you know, just you see so many things because yeah. with one tiny act of rebellion, there, there's more. Yeah, there's not just that one thing. It's just one leading into another. And eventually, how many times have you seen it? And eventually, they're gone. Yeah, Maybe they're left for a false doctrine, a different movement. And I'm not saying all the time. But you see, but it happens we a lot. just don't rebel. Yeah, Be modest. Live for God. Have the power of God in your life. Right. It's not hard to do. It's just a matter of, of surrendering to the Lord and being obedient. It's not a drudgery. No. It all comes down to a relationship. It does. I do things for my wife because I love her. She does things for me because she loves me. I think she does. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. She loves me, and we do things for our kids because we love them. I don't. It's not a drudge, right? You know, we just do it because it's the same way with God. He requires that same relationship, that work, and if you love Him, you'll do what He's commanded. Absolutely. Well, I sure appreciate the invitation to to be on your podcast, and I, I trust that what we've talked about will be a blessing to uh, to those who listen. 
I believe it will be. And I'm sure we'll probably get some feedback and hopefully some folks will say, praise the Lord. Thank you for. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully some positive, not just yeah. negative. Hopefully some positive. Of course, we've got some negative you here never and there. Know, yeah. As we stated on one previous episode, there's always going to be haters. Yeah. It don't matter what you do in life. It's true. There's always somebody against you, as long as there's a devil. <laughs> right. I tell you what, but let's live for God. As we get off this podcast here today, live for God. Have a relationship with Him. Have the power of God. Be modest. And if you live a modest life and live the way God's commanded you and designed you to live, boy, you can come to church and you can feel the power of God. I tell you what, it ain't that hard to live. I love it. I love it. See you later. When this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me. I'll be living.